Why, hi there, everybody. It's December 31st, 2016. Ryan, what are you laughing about? This <laughs> is just a good transition. I like I like the silence into nothing. Nicole. Hello. Back in the studio. Yes. For White Christmas. Hey, Officially, everybody. Yes. Right. It's the end of the year. Oh. We are betwixt Christmas and New Year's, mm-hmm. and we did manage, we didn't manage to get White Christmas in technically on time, extenuating circumstances, apologies. Yes. But we're here now. Mm-hmm. And the Christmas spirit is still dragging along behind us. Well, well, the Christmas spirit exists in this room because this is colder than it is outside here currently. In <laughs> yeah, our state. It yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is strangely locally cold, mm-hmm. but that's okay because that's good for keeping the banter high. Absolutely. Um, anyway, um, Nicole. Yes. You picked White Christmas. I did. And I touched on this a little bit when we did our Christmas recovery episode earlier this week. But, um, you know, I have much like, uh, you know, in... In October, when we kind of touched on a few horror movies, Mm -hmm. you know, during Christmas, there are a few movies that I like to watch every year. Um, White Christmas being one of them. Mm -hmm. It is is probably the most classic of the movies that I like watching. You know, a few other ones is I enjoy Elf for Christmas. It's a very good Christmas movie. I enjoy Bad Santa. I love Bad Santa. You know, so those are those are kind of my, my my trifecta of the Christmas movies I do like getting in every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I picked White Christmas because a it'll probably be the one and only musical I will ever pick, <laughs> and it'll probably be one of the few classic Hollywood movies that I I ever pick because right. there's, I mean, no, not not to diss on classic Hollywood, but there's 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 a certain, you know. There's 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 like a certain simplicity about the classic Hollywood movies that just don't make them good for analysis. You know, there's <laughs> there's just there's not much going on underneath. Like they just they kind of throw their cards on the table. The sets are good, you know. The plots are contrived. The plots are simple, easy to follow. Yeah. Not a lot to unpack here. So I picked White Christmas. I also was not sure, David, if you had ever seen it before. Um, I saw the sisters act, mm-hmm. and Very that's good. the extent of it. Okay, okay. The 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 cross dressing version or the uh, the actual no, I think it was the actual the, Rosemary Clooney, the, the proper heteronormative version. Very good, very good. <laughs> heteronormative is very important during classic Hollywood era because mm-hmm. everything is heteronormative. Well, and, and I think Nicole and, you pointed this out too. We did a rigorous statistical study of films from 1933 to 1963, and 92 percent of them the of the plots of mil, of films released during this time period, in fact had a main theme or a main plot point of, of of needing two characters to get married. Exactly, and this movie is no different. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, the whole movie is basically a plot to get two characters that seemingly don't like each other yes. to get married. <laughs> yes, for, um, for entirely selfish reasons yes. of the other characters exactly, not in this relationship. Exactly, yes. exactly. So, so this movie, like I said, it covers all the classic bases, mm-hmm. you know, straight people trying to get married, <laughs> You know, musical numbers. Occasional song and dance numbers. Well, it's World War II. Oh, yeah, we've got World War II covered. So what I like about this movie is don't be deceived by the name. Mm-hmm. I Although I do categorize this as, as one of my top three Christmas films, this yes. movie has literally nothing to do with Christmas. Yes. So don't. Don't don't fear it going in. Like don't feel like you're gonna you're gonna get the Christmas spirit from it. Mm-hmm. There's basically no Christmas in this movie, except for the fact that they do sing White Christmas two times. Yes. Um, and it's about the spirit of giving to an old 
apparently idiotic general. Yes. Um, yes. Who make poor business decisions. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't just make poor business decisions. <laughs> he knows. He seemed pretty, yeah, not proud, but he, he seemed like he went headfirst into that poor decision. Mm -hmm. I'd call it obstinate. Yes. Being charitable. Right. Um, but what are you going to do? The military breeds loyalty. And uh, so <laughs> we have uh, Bing Crosby playing a less successful version of himself. Yes. Um, Which that, is that, striking, that, you know. <laughs> that, teams up, that teams up with... Uh, Danny Kay, who is... Playing a more successful version of himself. A more successful version yeah. of himself. And Rosemary Clooney, who is just trying to not you know, blow up and wait so much that she can stand next to Vera Ellen and still look like a human being. Now, now Nicole. Yes. Rosemary Clooney. I recognize one of those two names in that person's Very name. Very good. Right. Yes. Okay. Are, are you, are, would, would there be any relation to perhaps other famous living Clooney's? Yes. yes I believe. 2016 didn't kill George Clooney. Did no, it, it okay, did not. No, it, it, it's not, not over yet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we got a few hours left. Stay on the ground, George. Don't, don't take that I believe, flight. I believe Rosemary Clooney is uh, George Clooney's aunt, I believe. Gotcha, yes. Okay, um, good. And Rosemary Clooney, very popular vocalist during mm -hmm. the time. And Vera Ellen, who is her sister in the movie, uh, an amazing, amazing Wait. dancer. Dancer, yes. Dancer, dancer yes. yes. Dancer, dancer. yes. Um, so this, you know... I, I like. I don't know. It feels a little weird. Try to. I don't know if we need to like break down the the storyline of this. Too it begins much. with the war. It does begin with the war. <laughs> a trap. A, a trap. Uh, a backdrop of a war. Yes. Yeah. I just right off the bat, and this I assume is a classic Hollywood thing, and I'm speaking from no experience on this. All the sets look like they barely attempted to make them look like they were actually where they are supposed to represent. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is the era of the soundstage, and this entire movie is filmed on a soundstage. Yes. You know, there's one soundstage that's supposed to look like they are in the war, which is where we start out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so there's, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people in the scene, and there's kind there's, of a jeep that circles around, but there's... It looks, it looks the whole time like a stage play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With backdrops that are painted and like these, these are like real, like the facades are made out of real materials. It's not like it's literally on a stage, although sometimes it actually is on a stage, but there's even, there's even times where it seems like doing something that is quote unquote on location would have been easier, like very near the end, uh, not near the end necessarily, but the lodge where half of the movie takes place. There is a real building they film inside, and then there's a facade that yes. is clearly not that building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That they could have just dressed up like that building instead of building a, like, 30-foot-tall, painted, mm. statuesque Basically caricature front. of that building. Yes. yes. And then with, with large drops of mountains in the background so that it looks like they're in Vermont. Well, yeah. so what, we don't, what, we, what you're forgetting, David, is that the Painters Union in, in Los Angeles at this time is incredibly powerful. <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't, I also want to stress that I really like that they do that because it gives it this really, like, Monty Python flying circus feel. Yes. Like, it's very terrible the whole way through, <laughs> which is anachronistic as hell, but that's what I have to pull on. Yeah. So I'm totally for it. No, it's, 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 it's a style, you know, <laughs> and, and like I said, I, you won't see me picking a whole lot of musicals. It is probably one of my least favorite genres of film right next to, you know, horror movies and rom-coms for the most part. Right. Um, I can get behind that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I would even put kids' movies slightly above probably musicals and rom-coms. So would I. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but but all classic Hollywood movies essentially have that kind of feel. It's like sound stagey, and there's a lot of musical numbers crammed into not a lot of content. So a lot this, of white people. A lot of white people. A lot people. of white people. There was one black person in this movie, but who, who he's not until later. Porter, a but he was porter. a porter yeah. on the train. Yeah. Um, so they this, didn't talk. No lights. Yeah, no, <laughs> no lights. Oh, is man. he even in the casting? Can they, can they read? What's going on? I don't know. He might have gotten a Porter credit, but I didn't check that closely. Yeah, no. Um, anyway, so this movie starts out in World War II, or a backdrop of World War II. <laughs> it's, it kicks off with Bing Crosby singing White Christmas, because that's what you expect from the title, is yeah, well, Bing Crosby singing that song. And his character is... Playing like maybe a, a famous performer or yes. whatever, you know, but then he gets goes into the war and they're doing like an impromptu concert for Christmas near Eve, the for front the lines. Yeah, for the but for themselves, yeah. really. Like at the idea. And then um uh you know, then the general, this this fucking general, this fucking this MacGuffin of a general he <laughs> <laughs> comes up, comes by, and he's getting transferred to another unit he's getting promoted and some guys replacing him and they love him and they sing this in song to express this to him that they care for this general <laughs> who's leaving them um but then they get attacked yes and um a a brick wall goes to fall on said bing crosby but he is saved by, by danny lowly private sergeant danny k who in the in, in saving bing crosby um the bricks fall on him and he breaks his arm yes and this is great. So the next scene, they're in the medical hospital. Yes. And, you know, Danny K, I think he's, he's a Davis. Davis, yes. yes. His Wallace, character. Yeah, Wallace yeah. and Davis. Wallace and Davis. So, you know, Bing Crosby's in there going, oh, how's the arm? And he's mm -hmm. like, well, you know, it's doing okay. But I had this, this song and mm -hmm. I thought, you know, it might be good for your production number. And Bing looks at it and goes, well, this is a duet. I, I'm a single I'm a artist. So, I'm a solo act. A solo act. act. Yeah. Because everyone's got an act. But, you know... Because Danny Kaye did just save Bing Crosby's life. Yeah. He kind of uses this as a little bit of leverage and is like, well, you know, maybe you want to consider letting me join the band. You know, make this this might be a good thing. Bing's a little hesitant. But then Danny Kaye, and we'll see this every time. He gets these big sappy dog and, face uh, eyes, starts rubbing the arm. Rubbing the broken arm, you know. Oh, and geez, just like really <laughs> lays it on thick. Um, so, the, the dialogue throughout is actually very well constructed. It's, it's hilarious. I find okay. it very good comedically. So, but this is, you know, there's there's a period where, you know, cinema and theater are kind of like, they're like so in close together, they don't know what to do. I mean, that's, what, that's one of the things I think M is kind of so unique is that M, you know, camera angles move around. Like, M is, doesn't feel like a play no, that someone's filmed. And, um, this feels like a play. Yeah, exactly. Well, stage number, right? The yeah. dancing numbers and everything like that are in it. Like it has cinematic qualities, but uh, but the other thing that I think links it to the idea of a play is that it's pretty vaudeville-y because it's about people who perform not on cinema but perform in clubs and things like that. Which is that there's always this like wicked fast banter that happens, you yeah. know? Like I come back, a double comeback, a triple comeback, you know? Like they're always like rolling Everyone's around on each other. Really witty. Oh, incredibly yeah. witty. Yes. Yeah. And but I mean, like I said, when it's done well, it's like quite endearing and charming and fun, and they play well off each other. And, and there's timing and talent that goes into these things. And Bing, Bing Crosby, you know, is, I mean, it's hard to. I mean, Bing Crosby is a crooner, right? He's yes. A, he's a singer. But I also just, I, I did not realize this. Do you know that Bing Crosby won a fucking Best Actor Oscar? 
No. Yes, no. In the 1942, I think 42, 43. Which, which movie? I don't fucking know. I never saw that piece of shit movie. But like, okay. he wins a Best <laughs> Oscar no, like for acting nomination. I mean, not only that, but Bing Crosby up until 1970 was the, I think, the highest selling solo male uh, artist of all, like. In, I thought he was still the highest selling albumist of all. Uh, but yeah, he, he might, might be, be. Yeah, because like, er, I mean, he like pioneered the idea of like recording like, du- like, um, like when he did his radio show. He was the first national radio show not to do it live. He like taped them and like like edited them and like. So he's obviously a control freak, like so that he could like you know like manipulate and control fucking, the content. He's like an innovator, though. Yeah. Like this is what's cool about Bing Crosby is that he fucking like you know if you like the idea of media, you know, like Bing Crosby is someone whose career you should maybe take a look at because he like there's an expected way of doing things, and Bing Crosby is one of those people who does that so well, but like the Beatles, when he's fucking on top of the world, he's like, well, you need to do your weekly radio show. And he's like, fuck that. We're going to, you know, record it over several hours every, you know, during the week. And then we're going to patch it up and send it out. And they're like, you can't do that. And there's no fucking reason why you couldn't do that. But because he's being Crosby, he got like, away. Yeah, yeah. What, he could do it. And once again, but the cool thing is, is that the quality of the show was improved, you know, like the quality of the radio show improved because it didn't have the constraints of being live. And so I just think it's another interesting aspect of Bing Crosby. You know, like, like I said, Best Oscar nomination kind of, uh, uh, award kind of shocked me a little bit. But the fact that he's a fucking, like, an innovator is yeah. something that is very, very cool as well. That and he's got, um, you know, voice like milk chocolate and blue eyes that could melt ice cubes. So, you know. Oh, it's, God, uh, the, those eyes are, are amazingly, oh man, amazingly oh blue. This this movie was not, um, what was the, the weird color vision? It was Vista Vision. Vista Vision, <laughs> yes, yes. Once again. Much like the Hateful Eight bullshit of shooting it in 78 millimeter and then doing the whole thing on a soundstage. <laughs> like Vista Vision on a soundstage. But man, boy, did it make Bing Crosby's eyes look blue. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Piercing. Piercing. Color blue. corrected. Yeah, it seemed like there's... <laughs> so uh, it's great. So this movie gets on. So, you know, Danny Kaye broke his arm. He kind of guilts good old Bing into looking at his duet number and then we cut to Danny Kay and Bing Crosby on the road doing their numbers and shows and building we get a, little, their, we get a nice little sack. medley yeah, of Davis classic sack. Hollywood songs like Blue Skies and um oh god I don't know all the names of them I just like know the words when they're the oh no choreography is later. What is it? he does? Blue skies and they do some other medley. I'm sorry, my, my oh yeah no no and but and unlike in Rocky, their montage involves essentially no suffering. They basically <laughs> go from nightclub to theater to uh, their knockoff of the Ed Sullivan show. The what's yeah. Ed Harrison show? Yeah, the Ed Harrison show. Um, they're just everywhere after about five minutes of what didn't seem like terribly hard work. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I mean, because the idea, well, I guess, you know, the it kind of sets it up that, like, you know, Wallace already had these connections, and then Kay was just trying to, or Davis was just trying to get in. Yeah, and it so gets they, in, but then, but then it becomes so they become a somehow. duo, yeah. Yeah. and they become a rather large duo, and then they, uh, so an old buddy from the army evidently has sisters that have a duo, so one night when they're at their club, they're going to catch this act, maybe mm-hmm. they can incorporate it into their own production, and cue in... The Notorious Sisters song, where we get Mar- Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen. And we get, you know, how convenient. We have one set of production duoists mm-hmm. and another set of production duoists. And they're going to come together. Yes. In a sorted little... Going to pa- and then they're going to pair off. And pair off, yes. yes. How faithful. 
So, and, but the, uh, this is a little cute. It's also important to note too that this is also a feature of like Hollywood films, 30s, 40s, and 50s, where like everyone has this like odd sense of like scheming capitalism, you know? Like you got Yeah, a there's stick, a lot of mention of gig, angles. Everyone's got an, angle, got an angle. Got an angle, you know? Like it's like Jack London fucking, <laughs> you know, like like Horatio Alger kind of like capitalism where it's like the everyone's intrepid, everyone's clever and everyone's trying to get the upper hand and make the other way, get their and way in the world. Everyone's scheming. Well, that's that's how the movie started out was basically Danny Kaye monopolizing on his mm-hmm. his injury situation and scheming his way to get into <gasps> The it's Wallace beautiful. production. It's absolutely. That's why McCarthy had to wash all these people out. <laughs> yeah. Next decade. <laughs> oh God. Came intolerable. I'm telling you. So um, they're gonna have to do that with irony soon. I hope so. I can't wait for that. Jesus Mommy. Christ. I know. Anyway. Okay. Uh, who would lead that chart? Rand Paul seems pretty ironic. Irony. Less less of irony. I think that he could do that. Yeah, he could probably pull it yeah. off. That's that hair. There's nothing ironic about that haircut of his. Regardless. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Political. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we got a little, we got like some shenanigans. Wallace and Davis get caught up in the uh, the sisters' routine, and they end up on a train together. Okay, I should say I that. I there's they get on a train. They have to. They have to. They have to escape the nightclub. Oh yeah, there's like this bullshit. <laughs> the sisters burned a hole. Yeah, they have in to the avoid a, a small claims court. Of, yeah, like, and they're they're subpoena. they're going to be arrested because they owe this guy forty dollars. And then oh. and then like of course when. Wallace and Davis hear it. They're like, "Oh, the old, the old burn in the hole carpet thing. Like this is some like scheme that mm-hmm. people pull all the time." And they're like, "Yeah, we'll help you. We'll help you." Yeah, it's the old, the old switcheroo. Or yeah. What is it, lucky number eleven? The Kansas City Shuffle. Yeah, you know, like yeah. You, you feel like you've been conned, but it has some like name that like some guy in a seersucker suit invented. You know, yeah. like, and, and what's going on here? And apparently, they sent the sheriff after yeah. them, and the sheriff is being stalled. By, by the guy by who food. runs the yeah. club. Yeah, yeah, by food. Yeah, like, like, do you distract the sheriff? How do we distract a small town sheriff in 1940s yeah, Florida? Give him donuts. Yeah, I got some food, you yeah. know, like any kind of food will do. Oh, God damn it. So, that, um, that scene's a little bizarre. My favorite part of that whole scene uh, is when they're making their escape. They're making it out through a window. Yes. And there is not one, but two instances of a taxi happening to drive by the window. Leaning out of an open, a first floor open window and yelling, taxi! Apparently, (laughs) Evidently that window, yeah, must just be a taxi drive out. Like, drive through. It can't be efficient, you know? Like, I mean, this is pre-Uber. I mean, this is impressive. I'll be honest Well, this is what I love about these old classic movies is, is nothing goes, like, everything just works so perfectly. Like, there's never any kind of, 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 like, real... Um, like, like the problems you run into real life do not exist in classic Hollywood movies. Well, I think that I think that can be freeing a lot of the t- like. Why did this happen, or why was this there when it like why why was this there at that time? Um, you know, like the classic Hitchcock answer answer would be because the story needed it to be there at that time. Like, what? Don't like don't over fucking think this thing. You know, like there's there's more about you know like. Like what? What kind of you know? You're on a roller coaster, and you're like, "What kind of bolt was that we just passed?" And you're like, "You're on a roller coaster, baby. Just fucking you know, get your hands in the air and enjoy the ride." Like you, you needed know? a taxi, the taxi showed up. Just yeah. move on. Exactly. Just move on. So like, it's kind of fun that like there isn't this like obsessive like you know worry about like bloggers you know like finding inconsistencies in your movie. They're just like, "Oh, just go with it," you know, just go forward with it. And you know, but like Hitchcock found that shit annoying, where it's like you know like like the idea that you would just like pick apart like. 
like halfway through, you're like, this just isn't believable. And you're like, these people are expressing themselves exuberantly through highly choreographed musical numbers. Like reality has been left beside the road <laughs> way, way long ago. Like we don't need to bring reality into this. Anyways, yes. Yeah, so, and they don't. Yes, no, no this no, is yeah. none of this. Yeah, so you know, they they help the sisters, you know, escape through the window and get a taxi. And then they do the little gender bender where they perform the sisters act. You know, Wallace yes. and Davis perform the sisters act. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it gets it gets a laugh. Yes. You know, because there's a little cross dressing action going on. Absolutely. But all all in good fun. Yes, how no, titillating. Yes, yes, exactly. No all, way. All in good fun. No way implying anything actually enjoyable happening. No, no, no. All dressed as a woman, no matter how silky smooth the garments. You might know, be. and then and then they, you know, because they gave the the sisters their tickets on the train, they then end up on the train and mm -hmm. they don't have any tickets. So they have to decide where they're gonna go. And good old Danny Kay, because he's always yes. always the schemer, you know, kinda is like, well we should we should maybe go to Vermont because the sisters are gonna go to Vermont. Mm -hmm. There'll be snow mm -hmm. and Bing Crosby is not into this at all. But what the hell? What the hell? The girls will be what there. What the hell? The girls will be there. And sexual desire rules over a lot of things. Yeah, this, this is, you know, so we get a little train ride mm -hmm. and we get to go to Vermont mm -hmm. where right. there is no snow. Yes, in fact, in the middle of winter, in the middle of, in the middle of Vermont, there is no snow. Yes. And this, of course, is a problem because it turns out that the, where the sisters are going to perform and where Wallace and Davis are following them to is a, was it a ski lodge, hotelery yeah. kind of shit? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, it's some sleepy little Vermont town. Yes, and, I mean it's lovely. Even without snow, it's actually kind of nice. The sound stage is very pretty. Yes, well done, well put together. So it's we're all mountains. there. They're hanging out, and who should walk in with a handful of with a faggot of wood? That's appropriate use of the term. With a faggot of wood, but the old general. Ah, from the first who scene. They, whom they love. And it turns out this general has made terrible life decisions since leaving the army. Uh, a couple. Yeah, yeah. several. Um, namely having... But he's not, he's not going to let that get him down. Yeah, well, my, I think his first major problem was the well, the housekeeper that he hires, the the manager of the hotel, this woman, what's yeah, her name? Yeah, she's... Um... I think she's my favorite character. Okay, yes, no, she is good. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a mistake for his personal life. It's an actual yeah. decision for the movie. Yeah. Okay, good. It's weird. I don't understand the staffing at this hotel either because evidently, so there's the there general. There's three people. There's the general. There's his granddaughter who's like 16. Mm -hmm. And then there's yeah, there's it's like stepmothery kind of character. Yeah, always, she's and not she's business. not related, but she's like the hotel manager. She acts like she's related, and, and she's just nosy in, in everyone's business. And somehow, like this, these three people are running an entire like uh, sh you know chalet. A massive, yeah, exactly in the woods. In the woods in Vermont. Um, but like I said, this is classic Hollywood. So you can't ask these questions. No. Just enjoy um, it. You just enjoy but it. But what if we did? <laughs> okay. So there's very the, few answers. So, so the general, <laughs> I'm not interested in answers. I know the general. He does clearly bring wood in. Oh um, yeah. No, I want to know. I want to know why it's just the granddaughter and the general. So the general clearly got divorced. Like mm -hmm. that. That. Or maybe seems, his wife died. I'm going with divorce. Okay. He doesn't seem that confident. This was this was yeah. like fifty. Well, this would have been forty-five or forty-six. Arranged for it would her be death. Strange. Okay. Locked her in a sanatorium. That that's because more she actually plausible. Okay, institutionalized. Yeah, yeah she had right. mega periods. Okay. All right. Um. So that covers that angle, and then he, for some reason, has custody of his 
either son or daughter's child. So he must have other children. Yeah, he has kids yes. who don't clearly <laughs> don't want to see him. Or are not interested in his hotel business. Well, they're not visiting for Christmas. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> that much is clear. Yeah. And the granddaughter seems fairly unconcerned because she doesn't, like, mention that her parents, like, I mean, she just kind of, like, puts up with, with I don't know, whatever. I mean, she seems like she just lives there. She you know, doesn't really seem like she's visiting because she's kind of involved in day-to-day -day operations mm -hmm. or is at least aware of the day-to-day -day operations. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's peculiar. Granddaughter's a good cover. That's all I got to say. Either that or she was adopted and then orphaned off on this old man. Yeah, I mean, maybe she came with the hotel. Or that. Never oh, know. so you're saying not even real granddaughter. Like, yeah, I know. This is good stuff. So you know? first order adoption. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. They like just like, we got a hotel and they like show up and they start going through the rooms and they're like, there's a fucking child in that room. And the general there. didn't want to do the paperwork to get it figured <laughs> out. So he's just like, you're coming with us. Yeah. Give her a job. Take, take some hot cocoa up to room 12. <laughs> Or whatever yeah. we do here. Yeah, exactly. Now, the housekeeper, she looks like the typical woman that does. I've been to a bed and breakfast in Vermont, and the lady that ran it looked fairly similar to this housekeeper. So not much has changed. So she seems, like, pretty accurate for the time and place. Like, you you're know. Saying, you're saying to, to the place beyond time, though. Like, Well, I'm just yeah. saying to, you know, like, sleepy little villages in Vermont and people that run little, like, uh, kitschy, niche, quaint hotels. Like, mm -hmm. uh, chalets and B&Bs. Chalets, yeah, B&Bs. She seems yeah. like kind Busy of your typical. Busy bodies of all time. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yes. Kind of like your typical B&B &B, uh, operator. Mm -hmm. um, you know. So, I mean, she probably just applied for the job. But, yeah, the general and the granddaughter, I, I Fun don't... Fun stuff, yeah. It, it's a little peculiar that they appear to be the only other people running this place. Yeah. And the general, of course, uh, did not inherit this place, but apparently bought it outright from mm -hmm. someone mm -hmm. for... Yeah, he, he decided to actively purchase this. Yeah, like, after the excitement of winning, of winning and saving the world from fascism. Yeah. Nothing says, like, let's continue this exciting life, like... Owning a chalet in Vermont. Anyway. He doesn't seem thrilled with the purchase either. I mean, no, like he doesn't seem thrilled. Like he accepts much. it. Yeah, but he doesn't true. seem thrilled he, with it. He is amazingly un unaffected by most <laughs> things that happen to him in his life, which is what makes him such a great general. <laughs> he has the generalissimo quality of being nonplussed. At all times. Yeah, they're, just, they're just figures on a map, baby. Figures on a map. Yep. All right, cool. Well, anyway, so when our... So that's you know, the general. Nice. Yeah. So anyways, so when our, you know, Wallace and Davis and our sisters show up, they turn out to basically be the only people yes. at the hotel. Um, because there's no snow and there's no reason anyone would visit Vermont during this time hotel. of year. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. So, um... Wait, 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 what, why? Why is it a terrible hotel? Because nobody's there. I'm just going by the market. That's all I'm doing. Okay. All right. All right. Just, yeah, yeah, terrible. Yeah, there's literally no <laughs> I mean, seemed, other guests. It, it seemed well appointed. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, look, I see an empty hotel. I think bad hotel. Well, this, right? is, this is great, too, because this is from before we had quick communication. So if... If uh, if our sisters were traveling up to this hotel by train, there was no way for our hotel operators mm -hmm. to tell them, you probably shouldn't come. We have no guests. Yeah. There's no one for you to perform to. Gotcha. But they find that out when they get there. Yes, naturally. I'm also not convinced anyone would have told them if they were able. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, get here. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure on that point. But yeah, no. So 
now everyone is at the lodge. Yes. And we find out the dire straits of the general in the hotel. Yeah. And they put on a show anyway. Yeah. Oh, and then we got to do something. We got to do something. Cause right. you know, this is, this is the general from the art, you know, yeah, old so, army pals. We got to. So no fucking around, right? Like the last 40% of the movie is essentially them preparing for the show. Us watching the rehearsal for the musical numbers. And then the end show, and that's it. Like that's like the last forty yeah, percent of the movie, right? There is seventeen specific musical numbers yes. in this movie. Excellent. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go through them all. No, <laughs> no, no. Okay, and but um, but they're, I'm just you know just preparing the art. seventeen musical. But numbers But some of them are quite this. good. Oh no, I I love them. I the okay. dancing in this movie is excellent. The only. The only music number I really don't understand is that Mandy one, which I bring it up only because it has the largest cast. Like it's literally, there must be 40 people on stage yes. performing this number. I don't understand the song. I don't understand the juxtaposition of anything yes. that goes on in this dance number. And, and that's the huge one with the, the oh, who's the skinny run? Um, with Vera Ellen. Vera Ellen, when she's pirouetting down the fucking stairs yes. with all the other well, guys. That's it, my favorite one, by the way. That's what I mean. It starts out with, you know, Bing Crosby, Danny Kay, and, and Clooney. Rosemary Clooney kind of doing a musical comedy act mm -hmm. like they're kind of telling jokes to each other that don't make any sing, like yeah, sing telling, I mean yeah. maybe I would understand if I grew up in the 50s I don't understand what these jokes are they're about bad jokes, at all right, they're yeah. terrible yeah so it starts out with that and then it goes on to this long dance sequence with Vera Ellen getting like thrown downstairs and there's People coming hundreds in hundreds of background of, yeah, dancers moving. moving in and out and lifting her up it's practically Bollywood Yes, it is Bollywood. But like I, I but they got it from us. So yeah. I, but I like I like these big these big music. Like that's my favorite one in the in the, in the movie. Um, I at at some point right, I stop watching individual people and I try to like like with my mind like widen my pupils so I can like take in the whole spectacle before me, and I find it very psychedelic. I don't I don't know how to explain it, but like. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah no, absolutely. Because like, like when the thing gets starts, you know, I'm like kind of unsettled. You yeah. Because like halfway into this movie, you're like, is this like is this a fucking Christmas movie? No, there's nothing. Yeah. Like and I then, said, we haven't mentioned Christmas yet because there is no mention of Christmas. Yeah. In fact, we can't point. even confirm that this actually takes place in the winter time. No. Yeah. It's been in fucking Florida and Vermont. And there's not a so anyway. So, <laughs> um, so we're going. <laughs> we're going. So you go through this fucking movie, and then you hit this number. And by this time, my mind, I've like, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like We've floating above myself. And you've back, been bombarded yeah. with Relax. a handful of numbers already, but the numbers get increasingly more. Holy shit. This thing is, this is frenetic. Produced. Yeah, this is frenetic by the end and of I it. And I love, okay, and just to get back to more of this like classic Hollywood logistics. So we've already established there are no, there's no one staying at this hotel yes. except, you know, Bing Crosby, Danny Kay, and our two sisters. Mm -hmm. But they bring in their whole production team so that they could well, rehearse these numbers. On Christmas, yeah. So, yeah. For, so for the money, this is amazing <laughs> because the number of people in these dance numbers. I do not know how this hotel could even support that large of a cast. Yeah, I like. I don't know how how the hotel could support that many guests in general. Let alone the fact that these people are only there to perform to the guests that are not there. <laughs> Supposedly coming, yes. Yeah. So. Like I said, logistically, this whole thing is a mess. Okay. <laughs> Look, Bing Crosby's pockets are deep. Yep. <laughs> That's all you got to know. Yeah. He is willing to pay 
what he describes as wow amounts of money mm-hmm. yes. to put on a production like this, and it's Christmas, damn it! So yes. it's well, it's, it's getting there. It's getting to Christmas, you know. So, um, okay, another musical number that sticks with me. I do like the. Um, I love choreography that where they start doing. That one's my favorite because yep. it's easily the stupidest one in the whole. It movie. is, and it's yeah. it's like right and as as someone that did a lot of class like classically trained dancer i i like the whole martha graham influence which would have been very bizarre at that time mm-hmm. um oh, yeah, expi- i love it maybe expi- okay because the whole idea is that um we used to dance yeah but now everything's choreography and the makeup they're wearing for this mm-hmm. is just ridiculous it looks like it was put on poorly um there is like reverse mascara on people's faces it looks it it looks like a uh, it looks like a combination of like mime and Egyptian. Yeah. Um, and that is it, it looks like it's trying to be pretentious, and I adore that. It is trying to be pretentious. That's what's great because it's choreography. It's, it's not like, dance. And and every like that I f- believe that's the number where there's a tap dancing sequence. Yeah, she gets, she gets with... released from the ceiling. She comes yeah, down. Yeah. So we're doing all this modern dance with like girls in gray and shitty makeup and like totally blocked out. But then here comes Vera Ellen from the ceiling and she starts tap dancing. And then there's like this one male dancer that doesn't have any lines, but he's in three of the major numbers. Apparently he's the only one who can keep up with her. Yes. Okay. And then he comes. So, so that's this, a skill. So, yes, that so is. this pretentious choreography number then just takes a total left turn and turns mm-hmm. into a palatial tap dance yes. number. And that's pretty good too. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, that has another big crescendo moment yes. too with all the chore- with all the choreography that goes on with it. Um, so that's that's another great one. And then finally, um, the other great bit, and I, I gotta say, because even though it's simple, um, and Danny Kaye isn't the best dancer, I like the dance that he does at the at the club where they first meet the sisters. Yes, when he sweeps Vera Ellen off her yes. feet, um, un- seemingly unintentionally, yeah. right? Like they they co- they bond over the scheming that you know she wants to get her sister married to Wallace and Danny Kay wants to get Wallace married to her sister. Because so he needs they, a break, yeah. Yeah, so that's how they bond. But like, once again, it's not like, like he sweeps her off her feet, yes, but it's not like, it's like the the fact the that they would is, have- The song is the best things happen while you're dancing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's a very, but it's a very cute number and she is so good at what she does yes. in this number. Like I have to say that that her dancing in this is probably- you know, one of the top two or three things about this film overall, like her ability to, um, her dancing is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I, it's and, unbelievable. And you would really be frustrated, you know, like if you were like working on this, you know, cause it'd be really scary. Like, I don't, maybe you can speak to this, mm-hmm. but like as someone who's never like had to perform something live at where you had to get it perfect, maybe that one or time, you know, if you're like a third tier performer and you like trip or fuck up a scene, you know, like, you are not working nearly as hard as she is in these scenes, you know? And if, like, you fuck this up, you're like, motherfucker, like, God damn it, we were halfway through this thing. <laughs> and you can't get your... Go home. Yeah. Take your union card and go home. Oh, and they didn't put up with that in, in classic Hollywood because, um, you know, like, you had to be on point. Because, now, one of the things I think is interesting is Clooney, uh, she was the vocalist of the two women. Yes. You know, and Ellen was the dancer. And even though... Both women um, are singing in their scenes. You know, 
Ellen's voice wasn't good enough. All of those recordings were Rosemary Clooney's for both of them in yes. the singing. So you're saying, yes. Yeah, so what you're saying is that they they har she harmonizes with herself. Yes. And when two people are singing, it's actually Clooney both, doing both. It's singing Clooney both parts. doing both Very parts good. because you know, like I said, if if you can't get the singing perfect, they just won't use your voice. Yeah. Audrey Hepburn used to run into that too, like for. Uh, my Fair Lady, mm -hmm. like they didn't let her sing any of the parts, even though she was like one of the most amazing actresses around yeah. at the time. But they're like, you're not good. Enough. Yeah, you're not good enough. We're just going to totally record all of those with somebody we like, mm -hmm. you know, so. So you, you had you you had to be you had to be real good to not not get the axe. <laughs> that, that decision is fine in light of the way that they transition between the musical numbers and the normal dialogue, which is I would say practically clumsy. Um, the, the one the one that is the worst of these transitions, um, where they go from what is clearly people holding boom mics to people singing into uh, ribbon mics. Mm -hmm is the snow number on the train. Yeah. They're all talking in what sounds like just a normal 50s, 60s era mm -hmm. banter mm -hmm. and with that level of fidelity. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, everybody's voice just like opens up. Yeah. As soon as they start saying, it's like, it's incredibly stark. Yeah. Because Good stuff. And it's, it's someone literally said, I, I forget who it is, whether it was, I think it is Bing Crosby says snow mm -hmm. in the normal talking voice. And then the next thing he says is snow, snow. in his crooning voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it looks, it looks ridiculous. Oh, I love a musical. Oh, <laughs> musicals. So, um. So anyway, so, you know, so the subplot is that, is that Danny Kaye and Vera Ellen are trying to get Rosemary Clooney and Bing Crosby together. It's not necessarily working great. But you know, yeah, there's some bumps in the road. We gotta, you know, we gotta keep pushing that storyline along. Yeah, we gotta have we gotta have more plot in between the musical numbers. Yeah, yeah, and then know, there's an insanely contrived misunderstanding. Yes. Rosemary Clooney leaves. She's like, I'm done. I'm done with all this conniving and angles you guys are pulling on me. Oh, because the the busybody a busybody yeah, heard yes. a third of a conversation yes. and over just the blew totally out of control. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God damn it. The, the, the setup for that was ridiculous. Yeah. It was Iraqi WMD all over again. Yeah, was... you know, and then, and then uh, you know, so so she leaves. Bing follows her to New York so that he can do the Ed Harrison show. Yep. And basically tell the world that he's putting on a little shindig at the sleepy little Vermont hotel. Oh, and, and, and if you know the general, you should come and check this show out. But the general loves the show. So they've got to contrive <laughs> a way for him not to watch the show. And it's, and it's Danny Kay injuring himself and the most... Extravagantly ridiculous oh, way possible. Right. It's so stupid. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, <laughs> apparently, the general doesn't play horseshoes. Yes, yeah. he has them there, but he doesn't play horseshoes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe apparently, it's for the guests that don't show up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that is apparently that's that was enough for him. You know, he kept, he kept calling it a tripping rod. And, you know, he's like, "What's this tripping rod doing here?" And you're uh, like, this is "Where do we play horseshoes?" Anyway. You know. So, but yeah. but then you know to wrap this up. So then we get you know all the war bodies show up. Mm -hmm. All the Wallace and Davis people are there. Everyone comes back to the lodge. It's World do, War II all over we, again. We throw our big World War II tribute, mm -hmm. and then after they we put get, the World War II soundstage yes, on yes. the ski lodge stage, yes. <laughs> reconstruct bombed out so, Germany. So we get about three numbers from our our little like uh you know World War II relive. Let's thank the general thing, mm -hmm. and then what happens? We open the back door. Oh shit! There's snow. Cut to a whole new musical number that yes. evidently they had practiced, but Re not ready to go. Ready to go with like kids involved and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, because it's apparently Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yes. Apparently it's Christmas already. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So apparently 
Christmas is only about timing in this film, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the, the concert could have been held on any specific day, but it just so happened not to fall on the 23rd, not to fall on the 26th, but on the 24th of December. Yes. Very cool. So right after we get, you know, our little USO production, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we find out that it's snowing, so we cut immediately to the Open Christmas the production. Open the back door. Yeah. Get that, cut to get, the Christmas numbers. Get, the, get, that, get that fake set out of the way and open the door so we can see the other fake set. And everyone gets along in the end, and we hear White Christmas sung again. Yes. With other people in it, so it's not Finn. as good, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, everyone's clouding up Bing Crosby singing. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? Man's got voice like Yeah, someone did, the, the little 12-year-old on the toe shoe, someone didn't beat her enough, because you're supposed to smile no matter how much your feet hurt. Yes. Nobody told her that. Yeah. We, we just got done watching a dozen, dozen actual dancers and then in the last scene yeah, they put a bunch of kids they in put it. these kids that obviously have no training mm-hmm. like it's it's yeah. bad yeah. yeah and then everyone gets along at the end mm-hmm. and we we wrap our story up yep that's amazingly secular story by the way too this is one of the yeah. best things oh about yeah no I, I, movie. I, the second time i watched i was looking at that <laughs> yeah and it, it seems to almost make a point of not being religious <laughs> yeah. yeah ever well, we don't want to upset those Lutherans or uh, yeah. whatever. Well, that's you know? it. I love, I love how non-Christmassy this movie really is. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get a kick out of that every time. Absolutely. Um, like, Bruce Willis at least says Jesus Christ mm-hmm. in Die Hard. That doesn't happen anywhere in this movie. Yeah. I mean, he does say it while, like, you know, shooting a Steyer Aug at someone, you know, like, Mary, you know, that's fine. Okay, yeah. Okay, good, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's still, he still did it. But yeah. he did acknowledge the reason for the season. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's what counts. No, I mean, White Christmas is even Less about so. as secular about as, as secular those songs as you get. Can get. Yeah. Oh, God. So it's good stuff, though. I mean, like, uh, between the musicals and everything that goes around with it, um, you know, this is our kind of Christmas tradition. I would like to, uh, you mentioned one Christmas movie. I don't know if you have another one that you like or that you like. Um, I like Fred Claus. With uh, Vince Vaughn. I've not seen that's that. A, that's a good Christmas movie. When the next year or so, if you remember, uh, Fred Claus with uh, Vince Vaughn and Paul Giamatti is uh, quite good. That's another good Christmas movie. And then, um, I'm not a Christmas Carol fan. You know Christmas Carol? Dickens? I'm, I'm familiar. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I find that story to be rather miserable and I try to avoid it. Well, I'm also very burnt on a Christmas story. I don't like watching that anymore. That has gotten... That has Over lost it. its charm. Yes. That has lost its charm. Has okay. it become internalized into the culture? Well, it was, I mean, it, it was No, cool. it got overplayed on TNT for too many decades. Yeah, like, and, like, what, looking back on it, there's, like, it's one of the weird things where it's it's a movie where when someone describes it to you, you're like, that's fucking cool. Like, the leg lamp shit, you know? Like, that shit's fucking hilarious. And someone, like, be describing the scene, you'd be like, that's really funny. And, like, then I watch it, and I'm like, this isn't that funny anymore. I don't know what's happened. So it, I don't know. Is I, it like idiocracy that way? Yeah, no. <laughs> idiocracy was never that funny. It was just poignant. Yeah, it was, it was no, just no, no, no. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The, you can talk about idiocracy for a long time, yeah. but as long as you don't have to watch it. Yeah, yeah it's a boring movie to actually watch. Well, it's because yeah. it's a documentary. That's, that's yeah. 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 Anyway. <clears throat> there are good documentaries, yeah. Ryan. I that know. is not one of them. Okay, so, um, so um, yeah, like uh, any other things. So, uh, why Christmas is very good. Um, Christmas movies in general, you know, not a huge fan of, I like sad Christmas movies, which is why I like Christmas Carol, which I find very depressing also. Um, I love like really depressing Christmas movies, you know, and, um, but you guys are right. Maybe Die Hard, uh, White Christmas, Elf, which is Will Ferrell's only good movie. Elf is, is a pretty 
yeah, pretty it's standout. It, it, it is Will Ferrell's only uh, good Christmas movie. I mean, are we are we movie. settled now? Blades or? of Glory. I, Blades of Glory is hands down. Okay, I, I rest better. my case. Uh, Talladega Nights is very watchable. Once again, another movie where if someone describes the three minutes of actual hilarity in that movie to you, like it is much better than anything else. It's like we didn't name what we wanted to raise a bunch of pussies. Pussies, we would have named our kids Doctor Quinn and Medicine Woman. <laughs> That makes me laugh every single time I think, hear, see it, or, or whatever. But everything else in that movie I find frustrating. Uh, Blaze of Glory is pretty good. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Anchorman's just a vibe. Yeah, I can, no, I can a, do Anchorman. Anchorman's, Anchor, but Anchorman's like a two-hour meme. Like it's all, Basically. Okay. So is Will Ferrell. Like, that's yeah. that's fine. Okay, cool. That's You you have to know what you're going for with Will Ferrell. Like okay. He's, everything he says is a declarative statement. Gotcha. Of devoid of context. Well, I mean, I've just, you know, I've taken a lot of drugs and I still don't think I've taken enough to find them funny. And yet people who I know have taken fewer drugs than me find them hilarious. So I think I'm like... Maybe... People also think that the Big Bang Theory is a watchable, funny TV yeah, see, program. People... So you can't trust what people That's the think. thing. Like what, once you once you do, once you alter your perception enough and become elevated consciously enough, you can't go back again. You know, I can't go home again and to where like where Big Bang Theory is funny and Will Ferrell's a comic genius. Like I can't go back there anymore. I can straddle that. Okay, cool. I yeah. can hate Big Bang Theory completely Excellent. and admire Will Ferrell at times. Okay, I have... no, I love Elf. This is the thing. I like, I really like that movie. And I think that Will, it is like, I, is, I don't know what, I don't know what it is about that movie, why I like Will Ferrell. I mean, I, it is, like I said, it's probably top five Christmas movies of all time for me. And that is like saying a lot. And I fucking really like that movie a lot. It's a great movie. God almighty. It's way more Christmassy than White Christmas. That's for damn sure. Well, that's the thing. I like the, but like the whole message behind it. Cause that's what's cool about Elf yeah, and the whole and thing. He's Frank like, Claus. he's so naive. He's so naively trying to just bring the Christmas spirit to everybody. Like it's very endearing. Well, everyone. Like, in terms of a Christmas story. I think it's just nice. To see a movie where everyone would treat Will Ferrell in it the way I would treat Will Ferrell in real life. You know, like, like he's an absolute way, retard? Yeah, like, I think that's what it's about. Anyway, I like Have, have you seen any of his other movies? Uh, I feel like that's more than Blades I have. Blades of Glory? Uh, not more than I have to. Um, I've seen the end of Blades of Glory. That doesn't count. Okay, well, it, it's enough. I, I cannot Do I not pick enough. Blades of Glory? Jesus Christ. Like, the way that you guys feel about the, some of the films that I pick about this, like, no, don't write that. Not guilty. No. I'm just doing I'm just doing a more genre theme okay, cool. theming. So let's get off this. Okay, so yeah, White Christmas. Just no, I'm not gonna. check it out. The dancing is awesome. There's barely any Christmas thing. It's very secular. Mm -hmm. And you and know, if you don't like the part you're watching, you can skip forward knowing that you will miss nothing, nothing. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, no, things move pretty briskly. Three minutes or so if you're uncomfortable it's with an your easy, parents it's watching It's an easy it. watch. He gets the girl. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Bing Crosby's awesome. Awesome. Really, really awesome. That is one perk of the way those stories unfold mm -hmm. is that you... You know. Yeah. You know exactly yeah. what's going to happen. There's no ambiguity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like stuff stuff may not happen like, you know, like yeah, there's no ambiguity in the storylines in yep. these movies. Like it's pretty they're, straightforward. Yeah, they're both contrived and yet like heartfelt and yeah. genuine in a weird way. It's kind of I don't know how to get it. I believe it, the word for that is saccharine. There we go. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Brilliant. Well, that's what I mean because it's like even though the the the, the scripting and the story is is like I said, I mean it's it's not. It's not deep. You know. Uh -huh. It's very simple. I mean, the but the people, the people in these movies. I mean, they are professional. Like these are some of the best singers, dancers, comedians that you had at mm -hmm. that time. You know, and they're doing a, you know, like listen. It's not a deep movie, but right. these are these are solid performances from like solid people during during that era. Excellent. All in live Vista Vision. Yes. For your viewing pleasure. All right. So guys. <sighs> so we made it through what, Christmas. Yeah. What is the date today? 
It is the 31st of December, Wayne. All right. So uh, this is we've done a whole 2016 of movie reviews, right? Their first full year of movie crew review production, right? Yes. Right you are. All right. So this so, is like our 31st movie we've covered. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you guys have any reflections, any thoughts about this past year in, in movies together? It's been all right. Okay, good. <laughs> seen a couple of good films. <laughs> Couple one star films, couple zero star films, you know, like uh, cover the gamut, you know. Yes. No, we looked down the list uh, right before we started this, so naturally I'm not remembering any of the things we looked at. But um, <laughs> it's I, I don't know. We've had a pretty decent spread of things to mm-hmm. talk about. I, I think we we. I mean, as far as, you know, in a greater machination log sense, this has been your most consistent bit. Oh, without question. Yes. Um, you know, we have been, we've been, you know, a movie about once every two weeks pretty consistently. Well, and there's an easy, uh, there's an easy formula to why that happened. I mean, for one thing, we literally have a formula. We just, we <laughs> alternate picks. Yeah. But we all like watching movies. Yeah. We all like complaining about shit critically. Yes. And we like each other. That yes. helps. Okay. I, yeah. that, that helps too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, okay. I mean, if we need a fourth reason, we can throw that one on there. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> like, there's the, there's some glue here. Yeah, yeah, it works, exactly. It works pretty well. Um, and I don't see any reason to uh, retire the segments, so I think we're going to go into the New Year's. Sweet. Okay. So I had some uh, reflections. Um, I, I saw I like some of the movies I hadn't seen before that uh, that we watched together. So, for example, I'd never seen her before. And I was glad that I got to watch that with you guys. Like, that was uh, really enjoyable. And I remember our discussion about that being um, enjoyable as well. Yes. Right? I like yeah. As much as it irritated David. What? I mean, the movie was irritating, certainly. Well, that, but that's a good thing. Like, I, yeah, I always... That, that's, that's what's great about the yeah. review is but that that's why I don't I have to it. like the movie that's what I mean. if I and get I, to bitch about it later. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I picked it because I knew that it wasn't going to... Like, it's not like it's the greatest attempt at delving into the AI topic, but I knew it would be enough that we all would have, like, things we liked and things we wanted to bitch about. You know, it like, it, it, it gives enough fodder to... To have something to, to work with. Can I have a, a pretty audacious and ridiculous co- comment to make about films? I think I'll make my about 420th of this uh, <laughs> year so far. Um, but, like, I think that, you know, good films are like unfinished conversations to a certain extent, right? They're, they're, they can't say everything about a particular topic, right? And AI and its relationship between, you know, the validity of, of emotional connections, um, the, the, the problems and, and relationships of artificial intelligence you know, the changing nature of, of society in response to technology, right? This could never encapsulate all of the various issues and ideas that could be expressed um, through art about those, the, the kind of intersection of a lot of those problems and ones I'm not even including, right? And yet it's at the same time, you know, you it makes a point, I think, about what it's trying to say about these things while still having a lot of difficulties because, you know, what's so neat about film is that it is, a vehicle, right? It's a way in which you can relay ideas. It's a way in which you can try to connect with people, and it's imperfect, right? And nothing. And because of that, it I think moves people forward. Why we? Why I personally like movies is because it shows me things I've never seen before, right? It allows me to think about things in ways that perhaps I've never thought about them before. And regardless of whether or not I agree and with them or I don't, it's visually immersive. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like I, I think that film is some of the most is one of the most beautiful experiences that media can offer. And I really, really enjoy it. And I, I, you know, it's even all the more interesting because it is, it, it, it has that kind of imperfect quality to it. And um, while I think that movies in general are becoming less overall, the quality of film and, and, 
you know, this country especially is is being downgraded over time. I think that that film is is losing its ability to um, reach the artistic highs that it had before. Well, see, that's quite actually kind of why I like this because you know we're not rest- we're not restricting ourselves to things that just came out this week because yeah. there's a whole body of work that's very An good. Oeuvre. Oeuvre. And you know, if you're only watching stuff that came out recently, I mean, you're you're missing everything that film has to offer. Right. And that's what I think one of our projects has been is to kind of like catch up and you know find where we can see you know ideas and different types of film, and you know we're trying to kind of you know it's part history project to a certain extent, but also you know um, a way of trying to like connect and you know it's just it's it's amazing right the idea that you know we can watch it i mean cuz we you know m everyone that made worked starred and m is dead right these people are gone forever and yet they've left us something that we can connect with and i think that that's powerful right yeah. it's what it's what's unique about art and it's what you, you know i think it's what's in general unique about uh, unique about the humanities and as well is that these things are passed down to the to people afterwards and they can you know both speak to the time at which they were created and they can speak to us today in what we then bring to them. And it's that conversation, I think, of what is so fascinating about film. And it's something that, like I said, I find inherently enjoyable. Like, I just do. I agree. Nicole? Oh, did, did I, I wasn't planning to make a huge sweeping statement about about. Then make a film. tiny little random okay. statement. One star would watch again. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> One star. Would podcast again. Would podcast like, again. Well, and that's the zero. The zero one star rating thing is fun, you know, from Joey's, Joey's original, seemingly superficial, yet so deep. Oh, it works, it works on so many different levels. I, and but it's it's fun to it's fun to talk about the reviews themselves that way as opposed to the actual movies. The one that I I keep I'm looking down the list and the one I keep laying eyes on is the Missouri Breaks. Ah, very good. Cuz like Ryan, you've done a very good job introducing a lot of zero out of one stars to this total <laughs> set. And but the thing is that in no way like diminishes the conversation around those movies. Like mm-hmm. the the Missouri Breaks podcast is one of my favorite podcasts yes. precisely because Nicole and I still mostly don't know why you picked that movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that works really well. Like that makes the conversation more entertaining even if and I will and I will grant you in retrospect I think very fondly of Martin uh, Marlon Brando's role mm-hmm. in that film. Yes. Um the rest of it whatever. But there's <laughs> but, but it's just it's it, John Williams dying dialing in. Yeah, yeah like it's, it's <laughs> like this it has a um it gives it gives even potentially like uninteresting or poor movies a way to be worth watching. Yes. Like it, yeah. it actually revitalizes things that would otherwise be in some way a waste of time. It makes them worthwhile. I love that fucking movie. <laughs> I, I love that movie so much. It's it's so and you know makes it sound like I'm damning with faint praise, but it even works with like good movies. Mm-hmm. It gives you more to attach to. Absolutely. No, I mean, I was I was just really struck. I mean, like watching two thousand one again in a serious setting. I it had been a long time since I'd sat down and yeah. watched that film. I and think that's been one of the things I like best is either revisiting stuff I hadn't seen in a long time, or finally, you know, actually seeing stuff I haven't seen before. Because mm-hmm. you know, you get a little kind of like, oh, I've seen everything after a while, but that's yeah. not true. No, I've like as like I have been on my own little cinematic journey here, and like watching like trying to find like world cinema, like like non American cinema. Holy shit, man! There is. 
there is a whole other world out there, you know? <laughs> and it's just, it's just very striking to me that, uh, once again, like, especially for when I talked about American cinema in general, there's, there is just, you know, the homogenization of the world market has kind of taken over the larger movie studios to where, you know, the reason, uh, you know, formula and plot is all, uh, is all being kind of, you know, forced into the pipes uh, in, you know, movies that most people would go out and see. Whereas, you know, even I think maybe 10 or perhaps, I mean, really in 15, 20 years ago, you know, you could go see a film that would be, you know, nationwide in 2000 theaters and would be something that was, you know, intentionally challenging mm -hmm. or intentionally trying to, you know, break people kind of out of their slumbers. And even something that has the kind of like, you know, heartstring potential as like a Schindler's List. Right. Like I went back and I watched that movie again. And that movie is really shocking in a weird in a weird way. Uh, and the way that you see other, you know, uh, and that's like to imagine that's like a, a you know, hundred million dollar Hollywood yeah. production. Like that movie is really shocking to imagine being released today. Uh, it just it's just it's just strange. Huh. And um, I got to say, I was just I was just kind of taken aback by it. And I'm I'm hoping that it can get back to those, you know, to those roots. But. You know, finding movies that are challenging and, and rewatching them again uh, is just uh, been a joy as well. It's been something that's been a lot of fun to do. I don't want to drag that point out too far because I think it would be worthy of its own discussion. Right. But um, games is running into this same issue, uh -huh. and games, video games, are actually fighting this problem faster than movies are. They ran into the problem initially faster. It's AAA games take no risks. They're all, they need to get an 85 out of 100 on Metacritic. Right. And so they just play it really safe. And everybody needs to be able to enjoy them or right. it's not worth making the game because if you can't sell it for $60 to half of the population, what are you doing? Like right. we can't make the money back. And so basically it's like a lack of being able to take risks. Yeah, they, they don't have a choice. If okay. they want if they want to spend a hundred million dollars plus marketing making yeah. a movie or a game, they have to bring the money back in. Like mm -hmm. there's just no way to make that a pet project. Uh, um but games is actually fighting this faster than movies, which is interesting because and I think part of it is simply um it, it's one word, it's steam. Right. Okay. <laughs> there's no steam for movies. YouTube is as close as it gets, and though Steam is unfortunately quite rapidly degrading into YouTube, right. and we'll see where that goes, 40% uh, of all video games were made this year. Jesus yeah, you told Christ. me that, but you said that they're not real games that are being produced. But what that's the thing. On Steam, all you have to do is put the game out and it's a game so all that's of a sudden never it's like, been possible. But it's like it's it's almost like apps, like you just like dump it a bunch. Exactly. Of, yeah. But there's no movie equivalent of that. No, movies there's not. have to make it through a theater, or they are direct to D even the stuff that is direct to DVD, which is effectively the self-publishing of movies. We barely count that. Yeah, and well, it's, because in, because that traditionally the quality is very poor i mean but we but are that's the difference with games is that those are where some of the best games are coming okay. from because here's the one thing that i have noticed like i i never watched tv like i wasn't a tv person but i noticed that about 10 years ago or so there was kind of a switch where movies you know like movies were like the big powerful mm -hmm. you know uh really like impactful pieces of media that you that you could go see and and TV was kind of like just mindless whatever but the TV shows up their game so now you get these you know these these long series of really qual like high quality and you know 
really big TV shows and movies have kind of taken a step back since then. And TV has kind of replaced a little bit of that because you have a longer format to work with. I mean, you got like 10 to 20 episodes a season to work with the story. But that's the weird thing about TV, which makes me hesitant to call it a parallel situation, though, is that TV... TV shows, as a result of their length, are capable of something movies are simply they not. They are not, and they're, they're the format. They're using, the format is different, but they're using that in a way like now, in especially oh, in the they're last definitely 10 years, eating each like other's they lunch. Hadn't they hadn't before, and and I I've seen even a, a switch in the kind of media that I intake because I watch much more TV programming than than movies um, now than I you know than I did 10 20 years ago where I watched almost exclusively movies and I didn't watch any TV programming well I think what's what what the complexity of characters that you get from TV is where you've seen the most dramatic shift right what the what I mean also budget too. Well, no, no, hang, hang, go with me. Yeah, I agree, but go with me here. So, like, you know, if we want to like find like classic characters, right, in movies, right, you can kind of like you know like Michael Corleone from The Godfather or something. You know, like you can find these like you know iconic people in you know a John McClane or in movies. You know, like you can find these like classic characters in film. And I'm having a hard time kind of finding like you know because especially I think that the rise of superhero films. And the rise of television drama is kind of paralleling each other here, right? Where we don't really have these like larger filmic connections, right? Like, so for example, like Inception, right? Inception yeah. was hugely popular, like a like millions, hundred, you know, hundred plus million Americans saw, you know, Inception. But nobody know, nobody would remember the name of Cobb, like the character Cobb, you know. But like with the rise of television, you have something like The Sopranos, right? Like Tony Soprano, uh, Breaking Bad as Walter White. Um, you know, um, um, the wire with um, the the two black characters, but especially the guy who robs people. I've, I've the name Stinger Bell. Stinger Bell, yeah, like and and the um, Stinger Bell and, and oh god, what is his name? Yeah, I can't remember. I've never got to watch the wire. There we go, Omar. Omar, yeah, like those, like those characters, like you, like you know, become, you know, emblematic of those of those series. And once again, those are risks to take, right? Like Walter White is not a consensus interesting person to many Americans, right? It's because he's controversial, because they take the risk of creating the kind of like odd character, you know, this this very odd, I mean, once again, like we got a guy's dying of cancer, he's gonna become a menth dealer. And you're like, yeah, let's put a hundred million dollars in a, in a two hour segment for uh, to study this fucking motherfucker. And we got five years to yes, explore in, this yes, story. Yes, but the crazy thing is, is in television, they're like, yeah, we'll take that risk, you know, like, mm -hmm. and do this. And, but once again, like, that's what's I think really moving television forward is the is like you said the ability to tell this longer story, but that they're willing to take the risk on focusing on some you know some characters and and the larger stories that surround them. That's the risk as well that you don't see film film taking all that much. And that's because they have pilot programs and they have a hundred some odd channels. Yep. There's so many other ways to get the things out. And you're getting people in weekly because the movie, you got one shot and it's it's off to obscurity. I mean, you're pulling people in weekly. So you've, you you know, you need your either your monthly subscriptions or you're getting ad revenue weekly off your but here's, TV program where movies, you're you, yeah, you, you got put it out shot, there. Yeah, you yeah. got one shot to get people to be interested, and if you miss that shot, it's it's you know back in the archive. So here's what I want to maybe, but you guys mentioned YouTube as it relates to television as well and film. But like, I know it's kind of tough because like my YouTube feed is just full of shit that I've already watched or stuff that reminds you know that is similar to shit I've already watched. Google's algorithm for YouTube 
is one of the worst on the internet. Yeah, I can't. It, I can't. it does not give me anything I want to watch in, that I haven't already seen. I'd be embarrassed to tell you the stuff that I subscribe to because it's some lowbrow bullshit. That's fine. No, but that's <laughs> the thing. Like, I want more lowbrow bullshit that I haven't seen already. Okay, but here's my. They can't do Have that. Have you watched for me. all the bro science videos? Uh, but yes. okay, okay, hang, hang, man, hang, hang, they're hang, so good. Is, but YouTube is nothing but reality television, isn't it? For the most part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because that's what it is on my feed. Like you, reality TV, reality TV, right? It's basically like like somebody took like MythBusters, and like just made like that concept or that idea, and just like that's like all YouTube is now, right? Well, it's people, it's people recording the MythBusters in their house. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Good. So, but like YouTube just is not a vehicle for like you know fiction telling, you know, like not for large production. It, yeah. So there's no like revolution from well, like you well, know. Well, it's the, not going to be large production regardless. But no, there was there was a promise of that for a little while. Yes, and I that's, agree. And that's where again the the parallel to Steam doesn't exist because Steam's focus is substantially more precise. But 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 then but here's the problem is that Steam by the kind of like ease in which you can access and put it on the market of Steam right the people consuming are expanding the definition or possibilities of gaming right whereas youtube because it, once again it's easy as fuck to upload a video but it's not expanding through its through, through its market what a it's, fucking yeah, it's video entertainment it's is. It's not expanding the art it's not revolutionizing of video. The, yeah, it's not revolutionizing yeah. the genre like Steam is. I think that's a little unfair. I think... Fuck YouTube. That's what I'm getting at, I Dave. Think, no, 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 no. I, I get I The design of YouTube is atrocious. I think the way that it surfaces its best content is entirely through reference by friends. I mean, okay. I don't. it doesn't show me anything that I don't learn about from other sources. What's the other big... It's uh, Vimeo? Vimeo is Vimeo? the other one. I wouldn't call it big, but but it's it's the other video yeah, service. Absolutely. And then there's the Chinese one that I watch because they don't have any licensing problems. That helps. I think it was way I don't know. Okay. It's all in Chinese. In, I can't figure it out. In any case, yeah, no, there's there's there is a hell of a constellation. And again, this is this is worthy of its own conversation. But it's that movies movies are in a weird, unsafe spot because it does cost them so much to do this and there are other formats. Okay. There are other formats that are encroaching upon that. I mean, TV, if we want to draw a parallel that's almost precise for television, it is the miniseries. Okay. Mm. Where you've got one to six episodes of something. So here's my question then. Would we maybe want a uh, miniseries uh, review crew or something like that? Like, should we... Um, I, I tried that. I did that with uh, Better Call Saul. Okay. I did a pilot program of that with uh, Mitchell and Dylan, and it went fine. Um, the problem is it, um, and this is the the brutal irony of the TV show thing. I keep joking that I don't watch TV. It's because I don't have fucking time to watch television. Yeah. I barely have time to play games. Like I am, I am a workaholic. Okay. So if it takes a while, if it takes a long time, I'm I'm game. If someone wants. If someone thinks that there's a TV show worth talking, like we'll watch an episode or two and then we'll talk about it and we'll do it, we can absolutely do that. Right. It's got to be a fucking banger of a show because okay. I just don't have time. I lose my patience more quickly with TV programming too. Well, that's I the think. thing, like, because like a lot of my, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my small segment TV, you know, media watching, we'll yeah. call it that, whatever it is. But like, that's inherently personal, right? Like, yeah. usually it's on the, it's on my own rhythm or it's on the rhythms I'm on with other people. So, for example, right, like I watch, um, you know, Game of Thrones with my parents. I've done that now for three years, right? Every Sunday, you know, every Sunday night, we hang out, we go dinner, and then we watch game, watch the live Game of Thrones on on HBO together, and that's what we do, right? And like that becomes something. That is, you know, because on the rhythms with other yeah. people, 
right? And it's enjoyable, right? It's that experience with someone else. And that's I, what I agree. I yeah. wish I could do more of that. Exactly. Well, that's the problem is that um, you know, you would we would either do it where we'd watch them together, in which case you know, we'd have to figure out some way to like, you know, because, you know, we would get together and watch movies. Yeah, get I mean, getting together chunk. to watch a movie is one thing. Getting together to watch a TV series, and that, like, that's it, rough. And that's the other thing, because we can't pick stuff that's like, you know, Americanized. Like, you can't pick like The Good Wife with like seven series of a fucking 20 shows each. Like, that's... And I also do most of my TV watching, you know, like for an hour or two before Naked bed. Naked in my home. Yeah. yeah like, like you know, yeah. it's like my wind down time. That's, that's why it's part of the reason why I rewatch just the same couple of okay. sci-fi TV programs because it's just kind of like a. It's mood stuff. Yeah. It's right, just cool. something that I'm, I'm watching to kind of unwind at the end of the night. It has so. to have a certain feel to it. And I have to be comfortable enough with it that I'm not introducing new material during that time. Like I just want to flow. Okay. So the alternate uh, proposal that I thought about was what if we could, rather than watching the whole series, pick out individual episodes and show them to each other over the same time period, right? So, so now we're the Emmys. Something like that, right? So it's like, but you mentioned these, because I've never seen the show uh, Louie, but yeah. you have mentioned that there were like one or two fucking great episodes of Louie. And yeah. like, like I love that 70s show and that I can, I can, I can choose for you like my one or two favorite fucking episodes of that 70s show. So the idea was, was that, well, if we can, and you know, comedies are kind of coming out of this, but like, um, that's, that's the one caveat. I, I totally am on board with this. The caveat is that we couldn't do that with Breaking Bad because if you didn't know watch, what happened, I won't watch that again. I find I'm, that show I, fucking okay, okay, irritating. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm using, we'll I'm using it, it as an example. <laughs> Let's okay. Then let's use the wire. You can't point to an episode in the wire. No, you you've got to build a relationship yeah. with McNulty. Okay. <laughs> so if we could maybe find, I mean, once again, it's just again, if you if you want to do that one day, if you want to pick the a couple episodes of that '70s show for a movie crew thing, I'm totally fine. See, with that. but that'll that'll hold up on its own pretty good because it's episodic. Yeah. Where like they stuff, have to be encapsulated. Yeah. They're, stuff like the wire, you need four seasons of it all together to really like. I got it. Get I got you. I got yeah. It. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I agree. So, um, okay, so then there's, uh, so that was, the, that was the alternate idea. If we do it episodic, I mean, there is some, some more formulaic dr drama stuff that you got, that we could find to do as well. Like, I don't think that's more your guys' speed, but like, you know, I love like Law and Order Criminal Intent. And every fucking episode of all Law and Orders, no matter what they are, they're the same. all the same. Well, it's the same, yes, it's yeah, CSIs. Same. But at the same time, like, you know, if I could find like my favorite episodes of Criminal Intent to show you guys as well. So I, it's just not, maybe you should think about it a little bit. Yeah. And if we wanted to maybe do like a monthly segment or something where, uh, you know, uh, as something separate from the movie reviews, because I'll be honest with you guys, if it, if it encroaches on movie review time, I'm not going to do it. Okay. Well, I don't, don't want to make, then, I don't want, I don't, don't want to choose them. the other one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I don't well, that's, the other one. that's what I was thinking. Maybe kind of moving forward, I, you know, and I've been writing some themes down is maybe like month to month, we can kind of pick a little. A little theme, like I, the first one was guilty pleasures. Okay, I don't say I'm a huge fan of that as well. Yeah. Like, okay, good. Um, you know, because because about three a month is what we usually manage. So each month, if we kind of picked a theme, we could each pick, you know, what we thought reflects our favorite aspect of that theme. And so maybe one month we could do TV episodes where we each pick like a favorite episode from something and okay. tackle it. Kind of more compartmentalized though, as opposed to trying to add it on top. Okay. I also, I not to go into inside baseball in the way that would work out, but I would think for the TV episode one, if we wanted to just do, if each we wanted to pick a season of a show or something mm -hmm. like that, um, I would say we would declare all three of them at the top of the month 
and then watch them in blocks. Gotcha. That's not a bad idea. Okay. okay. But that's that's getting way inside baseball. Yeah. yeah. These, so, are, these are all great ideas for the new year. Yes, exactly. This yes. is what the point is, right? We wanted to kind of see if we could expand on some of these things. Um, like I said, I... I'm not in favor of altering this. And like I said, if it was a choice of like, you know, doing TV shows, doing movie review, like I do a movie review. Like it's not, not like a question for me. But Agreed. like yeah, if there was something we could do additionally to where you can enjoy stuff together as well to cover this, you know, this great fucking era of television that we're in, I'd be willing to do it, but it needed some hashing out to get to. Now, for future business, are we, are we are on to past business, yes. right? We have current business done. Yep. Are we done? Are we now on to future business? Yep. Um, so uh, David has a pick. Now Nicole has a theme. Uh, are we and are we starting your theme with your pick the, or your pick and then the theme? See, this is the sticking point because under the theme of guilty pleasures, this is not the movie I would pick. Okay, okay, so what what would you? How would you thematically sum up this movie that you're about to grace us with? Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's just, let's go would, with your pick and then we'll do guilty yeah, pleasures I think, after that. I think we I got can. A, I got a great stupid movie. To I pick mean, I guess it's it, it technically is a guilty pleasure of mine, but it's again, it doesn't. It's not in the spirit of guilty pleasure. Uh, we'll allow you the right freedom movie. to. We'll, we'll, to, we'll, we'll allow yeah. you the freedom we'll, to we'll round choose a, a genre right, that this would fit in, and we can all we can all try and we'll roundabout on. Okay, cool. Okay, so the movie I want to pick, which again, I think I mentioned at the top, is a bird's uh, hitting two birds with one stone kind of thing, because uh, we need um, we need a proper animation film, not like a CGI animation film, and um, I'm tired of Wes Anderson not being available, so we're going to do Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, very good. Okay. Um, Excellent. We're not doing The Life Aquatic, because it's too easy. We're not doing this the Royal Tenenbaums because it's too easy. It's too work. good. Yeah. Have you read the Roald Dahl book, Fantastic Mr. Fox? I wrote it a long, long time ago. Okay. Don't remember it. Okay, okay. It's a book? I have, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is going to be a good one. Um, okay, cool. Because I'm, I'm going to lay it on you. Wes Anderson, you know, despite him being probably my favorite modern day director, I absolutely hate this movie. <laughs> awesome. And I, Excellent. Roald Dahl right. is my favorite children's author. I have not read this though, but I do have a copy of it. So I may need to read the book cool. beforehand because I hate this movie with a passion. All right, good. I like, see, the part of the reason I wanted to watch this movie again is because sort of in the vein of Zootopia, which is the only way this qualifies as a guilty pleasure. Um, when I watched this movie the first time back in college... I felt incredibly biased liking this movie. Right. Because I hadn't declared myself as a furry at the time, but I knew which way the wind was blowing on that. I had the wallpaper on my desktop was of um, Mr. Fox. Gotcha. Okay. And I felt really weird liking this movie as much as I did, so I want to attempt to talk about it critically. Cool. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. This would be a good one. And okay. like I said, I guess well, for the next pick, I'll start off Guilty Pleasures uh, uh, series. Does that, does that sound cool? Sure. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I got a couple ones I got to decide on because I've got some terrible movies that well, I watched. Well, because I also I also bring up this theme thing because there there is a few things that always get missed, like uh like comedy. Comedy is one of those things where you know it never gets any respect, but it's so important because right. I love comedy. I know you love comedy. Oh yeah, David, you have a sense of humor, right? Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> no doubt. I've dabbled. <laughs> <laughs> So um so I guess I kind okay, of so can comedy I kind of like that? the okay. well I mean I like the, the I'm I'm just saying I like the idea of picking a little bit of themes um 
just because maybe we'd be able to explore some of these things that commonly get missed, like okay. comedy. Like, I would like to pick a comedic film, but I'm not going to pick one randomly because it might not seem that important in the grand scheme of things. But okay. if we're going to... If we're all going to like, you know, maybe one month pull out a, a comedy movie that we really like, then, it you know, it would be appropriate to let your guard down and pick something that you enjoy and think is funny, even though it might not be, you Informative. know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, significant in a awesome. general yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. yeah. So, uh, so I'm going to be forced to watch fucking Blades of Glory. Is this what's happening? This is what? I'm being conspired against here. Oh, the machination log? That's pretty much exactly okay, cool. what's happening. Well, I am okay with this. If I get have to watch two Will Ferrell movies in a row, that'll be all right. Um No, I'm um I think that's a good idea. Um but I still I think I still think in the name of kind of like David's overall arc on this, um too much structure is too much. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think that you've I, I think I like I like the concept of guilty pleasure and I like the con and I like working on comedies as a as an under focused genre. Yeah. Um, cuz I cuz I mean if you look down our list, comedy has not been very well represented in the 31 movies that we have selected. Only the comedy we, we bring to it. Yeah, only the comedy we bring to it. That's our job. No, but like the, um uh, what is it? Uh, Frankenstein. I mean, I know and... Wages of Fear is a laugh riot, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> so um Man who wasn't there. That yeah. movie's basically a comedy. Yes it is. But that's all perception. Like I find that movie a comedy, but it's not really Okay, cool. Yeah, considered a comedy. So yeah, let's. Uh, I'll, I'll start guilty pleasures out. Let's watch Fantastic Mr. Fox. We'll do guilt. I'll start guilty pleasures after that, and then maybe throw in comedies when we feel necessary. And if we if we maybe done some. Good I'm just saying, it was just kind of an idea of maybe move forward to kind of maybe bring a little a little uh, New Year's little thematic maybe up. maybe a little little kind of thematic uh, structure possibly. We'll see. I'll just. We'll I see mean, how it goes. If, if it works like anything else in my life, I'll I'll test the waters for about four days. Okay, we'll see how it okay. goes. Awesome. And then we can we can right. debate feverishly about Fantastic Mr. Fox Excellent. next time. So you got the book you said? I did. I picked it up. I picked it up the last time I watched that movie because I was like, I hate this movie so much, and I okay. hate the characters so much. I have to see if this is what Roald Dahl was okay. was writing about, or whether this is some artistic crap that Wes Anderson. You, you is must be thrilled about this next down. movie. Yeah, there's another. It's a in the same. It's literally just called dogs, I think. Oh, very cool. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Let's it's do a, this. It's another claymation I see why film. you're excited about <laughs> oh, this. Oh, I have no problem with that. <laughs> all right, guys. Are um, the dogs all sociopaths? Uh, almost certainly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the amount of tail wagging going on just in Just like thing. the real ones. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, um... Yeah. It's been a great year, guys. Yeah. It has. It's been a year. I know. Well, I got to say, this doing this podcast has probably been some of the best things that have happened to me in 2016. It's probably been the it most was, consistent. It's been a shit year all the way yeah. around outside of this lovely room. <sighs> eh, video games are pretty good this year. Yeah, it's pretty good. <sighs> Ryan. David. Nicole. David. Thanks for being part of the Machination.